All right. Hey, this is Ryan Chapman, Fix Your Funnel, and I'm excited for today's interview. And I know I've said this over and over again, but you know, I have my good friend, Jeb Bland. Every time Jeb, as I introduce the person I'm interviewing, I realize you were friends. You know, That's the neat part about this community. But Jeb is interesting because Jeb's um, been working with high-end medical, dental. You know, Do you do work with attorneys too? I've done some work with attorneys, yes. Most of it's been That's all the kind of the same model, though, right? It's very similar. Yeah. It's, it, it, and this has kind of come up in the last few interviews, but um, it, it's a unique situation where time is your inventory. And so it's really critical that you know how to help people fill that time. Otherwise, they're losing money. They can't ever replace their inventory. Yeah, very true. It's the only... It's the only commodity that we have really that we just lose as soon as we use it. You can invest money, you can invest time, but time really, it, the rewards are, you've lost that time forever pretty much once it's gone. So let's make this time really valuable. Excellent. Um, we, before we started, we were chatting a little bit and I, I want to get right into this, although I would like for you to weave in kind of your history of how you got into marketing automation. Mm-hmm. You were mentioning before that you were a professional award-winning photographer and you kind of use that so i'll let you bring that up in a second but you mentioned something really important before we started recording and i really want to get into that because this is something i see plaguing small businesses all over the world and that is the inability to create a compelling offer yes what happens is is that i think we get all wrapped up into the things that we can do and not necessarily what our target wants yeah. And so what happens is, is that we create these offers and if the, if our target audience is not really hip to it, doesn't really understand it, we have to spend a lot more money and time and marketing and explaining what we're even doing for the target audience. Yeah. Um, so it's really problematic. It can, <laughs> I've seen people burn in, in dentistry and medical, I've seen them burn thousands and thousands of dollars putting forth offers that um, really the target audience didn't really care about. Um, sometimes it was a matter of education, like they should care about it and didn't, but there's always that gulf between what they're offering and what the people are actually looking for. Yeah. Well, and what I've noticed is people get much more excited about the tools than they do actually creating the offer. And so in particular, you know, I've noticed in all marketing automation markets, but since we're talking a little bit about Infusionsoft here is they get really excited about the tool, what it can do. And they place more emphasis on that than they do actually thinking about, well, what is my offer going to be? You know, what's that pathway I'm going to take them down? Um, Is this compelling from their perspective or is it just something I think should be interesting? I think we spend so much time learning how to use these tools. Um, And I really have seen this play out with the doctors and dentists I help. I mean, they go to school for a long time. They've got a great deal of financial and time investment into their various certificates and degrees and things. They want to share it. You know, we'll yeah. see it on social media where they'll post, do post after post about what it technically takes to do a dental implant. And, you know, the reality is their target audience really doesn't care about that. <laughs> like, they don't care how the sausage is made. Yeah. And, but it's our tendency, I think, when you, when you study, I mean, Ryan, you know that we have all sorts of opportunities for education and, you know, we belong to email tip, you know, regular email newsletters and things like that. We go to conventions and conferences and have a great time, but we spend a lot of time really trying to perfect our craft 
And so I think we tend to, at the back end of it, we want to show that stuff off because we think it's cool. Well, it's almost like we're still little children calling to mommy to say, hey, watch me. Yep. <laughs> in, in some way, which is interesting. Well, okay. So one of the things I always tell people is that nobody wants to buy what you're selling. And that always throws them off at first because they're like, people buy it though. (laughs) (laughs) What I say after that, that sometimes helps them see what I'm really trying to communicate is they want what they believe your thing will give them. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think that's kind of the starting point for offer creation is getting to that core. What does the consumer believe that they will get if they do business with your company? Absolutely. And a lot of times it's just, it's, it's focused on the solution in terms of how they're going to feel and succeed after using your service or after using any product or service. It's not so much when you go to buy a car, a, a bunch of buying a car is experiential, right? You get into the car, you do a test drive, you do that sort of thing. And occasionally you'll have to explain things like, you know, what sort of engine does it have and, and the rest of it, but it's largely emotional. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's like if, if a salesperson then goes right into, you know, how much does a car weigh, the exact alloy composition of the body, they're, they're going to lose the sale. Um, all they're interested in really is the car is going to get them from point A to point B in a manner of which that they feel comfortable and they get excited about driving it. That's all they care about. Um, and so we see that in the offer. So how, how do you use that uh, when you're helping your clients create offers? Well, I explain it to you in, in one very simple thing. It's one of my main lines I have it posted in my office is price is only an issue in the absence of value. So what, what I do to explain, what, the way I use that to explain to people when they're creating their offers is, look, if the value is not there at the initial slice, you have to build value with either more information or more services and products to the point where the price doesn't matter. And the more you get to that high-value proposition, the less you have to spend in marketing. So an example might be this. Let's say we had a $30,000 new car. I use car analogies a lot because people, they buy cars. They can't understand how they work. Yeah. So $30,000 car, okay? If there was a dealership that could offer that car for $3,000, brand new, no strings attached, unlimited inventory, and all that sort of thing, they have to do a lot less advertising to sell that car than somebody trying to sell it for thirty grand. Um, yeah. Because thirty grand kind of establishes the value, so people understand cars. They don't necessarily understand medical or dental procedures, um, but what they're looking for is how this is going to improve their life. So, the way that I tell my clients about this is, I go, "Look, look you think of a let's use dental implants as an example. You think yeah. of a dental implant as this dental appliance." You know, they're going to fill a gap in their mouth, but that's good because their bite's going to be better and, you know, their mouth isn't going to deteriorate as much and all this sort of information. Whereas you're dealing with a patient that really only understands that they're either uncomfortable with how they look or they're feeling some pain. So that's all they get. They don't understand the rest of it. No. And then it's just a matter of like, well, okay, so how does this process going to go? You know, is the healing going to take a long time? You know, what if the gap's pretty small? How are you going to get it to fit in there? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so we built a lot. I'm saying all this as I'm uh, feeling with my tongue, my tooth that's been pushed back. (laughs) (laughs) So what we do is we focus on what's going to happen solution-wise with this this appliance or this dental appliance. So 
Um, people will, if it's a pain point, we hit them with more of a medical angle. Like, like if your jaw's hurting, that sort of thing, we offer it more as a solution to, to cease the pain. If it's a cosmetic point, it's more of like speaking to their heart in terms of like, are you uncomfortable? Do you tend to cover your mouth when you smile? You know, that sort of thing. We deal with how it works as a solution. The techniques and the services that go underneath it are really more about you know, that's more about if somebody wants to get in the nitty gritty and understand what they're paying for and that sort of thing. But people will pay more for the so, solution for the process. Every single how, how do you go about then creating this, this offer? Cause when I, when I talk about an offer, there's a couple different things that we could be talking about. One is like an initial step where no money's changing hands, but there is a exchange of information, right? Yeah. And then another offer is, you know, the actual purchase itself. Like, you know, how do we position that? But I think for a lot of people where they fail is they frequently are going straight for the purchase, mm-hmm. which is a big step for people to take. And they don't have an intermediary way for people to you know, step towards the purchase. So do you mind talking a little bit more about that first step? How, how do you formulate that offer? I, I kind of got an idea of like the messaging and the angle that you come from psychologically. Yeah. How do you decide you know, what to offer in exchange for their contact information? Well, typically the offers, the initial offers, um, whether they are a webinar or someplace, in some cases an in-person seminar, that sort of thing, Mm. it is more of like a free exchange of information. So what happens is, is that a lot of times we have folks that are looking for a particular service in the medical or dental field, they don't really understand what it is. And sometimes they just want to check a box. Like, yes, I did research on this. I just jump right in. Um, so what we'll do is, is our offer will be, it will be basically educational. Okay. The educational offer is designed. It builds trust. It establishes you as an expert. Um, you know, and so people are more inclined to go that next step with somebody they feel like they know. Okay. So that makes sense then why you were saying so much about the psychological perspective, because that's helping inform the education that you're actually going to provide in that offer. Absolutely. You're formulating all of it from the consumer's perspective. What are they most concerned about? What are they afraid of? That kind of thing that kind of fills in your outline, so to speak of your educational piece whether it's a webinar or a video on demand or whatever it may be. And keep in mind that we do all these things in a wrapper on the first part of the webinar, the in-person seminars that we do, or in the last part, it's all about, it's all about feeling how this will make them feel, why it's a successful procedure, what sort of differences can make in their life. And then in the middle, we'll add some tech to let them know that, yes, we do actually know what we're talking about. We do have a myriad of solutions. We don't just pigeonhole people into one thing just because. Um, so they're led through that educational process. And honestly, you kind of inform them, hey, there's some things that we have to know before we can really recommend something to you. But yeah. here's, here's what we're considering and looking for. And then here's some of the procedures that we might recommend based on what we learn with your specific appointment, building up to the, the set the appointment goal. Now, the, the thing that's interesting about this is that at an in-person seminar, our booking rate for consult hovers around 80%, uh-huh. um, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, in the webinar world, our, like if we, do, if we do the video, you know, let them watch a video, essentially the same, same seminar, the people that watch the webinar all the way through, we're still looking at about 25 to 30% booking rate. 
So the idea is that we lead them through this process of education where they learn about their solutions, about how to make them feel and look better. And then a little bit of tech to kind of prove, kind of prove our expertise, establish ourselves as the expert, and then wrap it again with the feeling because that's what they're really looking for anyway. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot here. hope you don't mind. All right. When you're, when you're doing the online webinar video on demand, are you, are you using an open-ended question text message once you know they viewed at some point of that training or education to ask kind of their temperature, see where they are if they um, have any questions? Actually, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. Um, we, we actually aren't doing that yet. Um, we do think we do a lot. We do a paste campaign uh, by paste. I mean, P A C E D campaign or yeah. after they click fire on the webinar and they, and they go through, but it's not really predicated on their rate of completion. Um, that is something that we're looking to implement, but yeah. it's been just based on my experience and the experience of some of our other, uh, users. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a huge benefit for those folks that are going through online because online is just tough. I mean, I think your numbers illustrate that pretty, yeah. pretty well. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, because we're talking about, um, in the case of dental implants, um, most are running about $3,500 and up. It's not a small ask um, yeah. because it's one of those things that will, if you have dental benefits, it'll max it out in a hurry. Um, and it's honestly one of those things where people, they usually need more work than just one thing. Um, yeah. so as an example, um, and from the live seminar, we know that our average client's going to end up with a $12,000 treatment plan. Um, so that's three or four times the amount of like the initial sort of ask. Um, so that's where we're building our value though, by offering the education, the consultation, they're pretty invested and so are we in terms of time and information by the time they get to the point of ordering up their treatment plan or procedure. Yeah. So very fascinating. It's, it's just, it's just one of those things that, that the more they, the more they feel like they've been catered to where they are, they tend to go into that purchase mode a little bit quicker. That's just a matter of figuring out yeah. how they afford it. Well, and that's interesting. Well, let, we kind of went deep into the actual, you know, the, the dental example. Let's back up a little bit and get back to the why be, behind spending time on offer creation. Because, like, we kind of touched on it, but I feel like we could go a little bit deeper on that. And it's really important because too many people will say, yeah, that's important. But then they go back to working on a campaign, you know. I think they, I think they go out a little bit backwards. So here's my experience with, with somebody's offer creation they go through their list of what they can do and what they can provide. Mm, yeah. And What's on the track? What, what, what can I do? What can I provide? And they'll just go through and just, just kind of throw something together as an offer because they can do it and they know it's valuable. They know it's, they know it has like an intrinsic value where it's like, Oh, this is worth so much money per month or so much money as a one time. They, they understand the value of it. And then they put forth marketing effort after it and there's crickets. Yeah. So what's happened is that they is that first of all they very rarely properly niche down their target. Um, we always do at least a three step for niching down our target, and I can give you an example of that in a minute. Um, and going to that that tight target and, and trying to figure out what do they want, and then making our services fit what they actually want and yeah. need versus what we think. 
it takes a little bit of extra work, but well, it's really difficult for some people to do because they get married to what they have done or feel like they can do. And the reality is, is in business, you're, you're serving a market. Yeah. So you really have to look at what does the market want? And if you're willing to adjust your business so that it's not what you've always done, but what the market actually wants, and, you know, there's some constraints on that as well. I mean, you don't want to do everything because you, you may weigh the, you know, the cost, you know, emotionally, mentally, physically, you know, all that kind of stuff financially of doing exactly what the market wants to say, well, that's not, that's not worth it to me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, I think one of the key components, like when I'm talking to a dentist, let me, let me give a little bit of an example. One of the first dentists I worked with as far as, um, as far as just somebody kind of said, just you do whatever. <laughs> a lot of times they have a preconceived notion for what they want. And for the past seven years, I worked with this dentist. One of the things I discovered in working with him is that it actually, he was actually driven to eliminate pain. So, and it was from a very unique perspective. He had had a, he had been born with some birth defects in his mouth. Um, mm-hmm. So it made his teeth kind of awkward. He had had to have multiple dental surgeries before he turned 18 um, his children actually, about half of them have the same problem. Um, so he found that he was driven to help people in that similar scenario. Okay. Yeah. What he was missing was his voice and his offering and things like that. But he had flexibility in that because what he was in love with was not his offer, but the people that he was targeting with the offer. That's really important. I think that that is also lost on some people. Yeah. I mean, if you ask anybody, everybody knows the right answer to say, no, I care about the customer. Yeah. But the question is, do you really, in your heart of hearts, care about the customer and their outcome? Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you know, my personal opinion is you're, you're in the wrong industry. Then you need to find the customer that you really care about. Yeah, I, I agree completely. It's something that's really, that's really lost on a lot of business people. I think they, I think we get to where, you know, we need, we have some financial needs, you know, we have some things sure. going on personal life and we kind of forget the step of you know we in order to put forth this amount of effort um to acquiring customers and servicing those customers we have to care about them i mean it's just and trust me ryan i fought this for years i didn't really i wanted to get all involved in the tech i wanted to know everything i could know i wanted to do everything like very much in, in these organized steps and stages and and only to discover that it wasn't until I finally figured out that I had to first care about my target that then the rest would fall into place. So as a, as a quick example, we have a program here that's getting ready to launch. I can't tell you a whole lot about it, but essentially the, the process goes something like this, where first I approach, I approach a target that I really do actually care about. It's been niched yeah. down three steps, like I, I'll explain that in a minute. Um, and I'm telling this person, here's what I'm going to do for you. Here's what I'm going to do for you. Here's what I'm going to do for you. And, and, you know, I'm talking to this lady and, and she goes, wait, 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 stop. And I said, stop. So, well, what I really need is this. Hmm. And I went, wow, okay. I could actually do that. It was actually a simpler solution than what I was proposing for. Her. Yeah. And so what happened is, is that I go, okay. And I give her like a couple of feeders, like, Hey, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about that. And Ryan, whoa, 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 Jeb, (laughs) this this sounds like you're actually having to talk to people. I know. And And maybe even like customers or prospective customers in order to learn some stuff. Well, 
Ryan, the fun part about this little project is, is I have 30 paying customers for a project that doesn't exist yet. The yeah. offer is so strong. I mean, I know I can perform the offer because it's a mechanical issue, right? Yeah. The offer is so strong that they're throwing me credit card numbers for this thing that, that I have. There's nothing created yet. Like there's. So, and that, that to me just reinforces how important it is to get your offer right. Because when the offer's right, like this is the point you've been making the whole time, though, is that everything's easier. Everything. Everything is easier when the offer is right because you speak to the right person at the right place. Yeah. And price, it becomes much more negligible when you've got the right message, right? Absolutely. And if it's something that has high value for that target, it's just they'll they'll figure out a way. It's it's the yeah. off. Everything's kind of hinged on that offer. Now, if it, I just really that, that's the reason I'm stopping you yet again is I really want people listening to get this. This is so important, and because a lot of people go, oh yeah, that's important, and then they'll turn off the podcast and they'll go back to doing what they've done. Actually, carve out some time. You need to rewind and listen again because Jeb has dropped a number of really important nuggets on you in terms of how do you formulate the, your offer. Yeah. yeah, he's given examples of cars and dentists and stuff like that. But the principles of how to create a good offer have been laid out here so far. So, you know, I really want you to make sure you're, you're not just casually listening to this. But, like, if you need to, grab your phone, piece of paper, pencil. Start writing down some of the, the answers to these questions or these, these points that we've been making. And, Jeb, you've got more that you're going to go into because you said you kept on saying the three-step Drill down. Three so, so what I do is when you look at when you look at targets and, and niches, I, I always call them niches. I'm sorry for those of you that prefer niche. Um, <laughs> when, you look at, when you look at things like niches, a lot of times um, that niche might be too broad. Okay. Now we always we all hear about the thing called blue ocean strategy and you know all that sort of thing. And then there's red ocean. We all know that red ocean is kind of like a feeding frenzy on particular niches. I mean, if you've read the book Blue Ocean Strategy, I encourage you to do it if you haven't already. Um, but what happens is is that you might say like, okay, let's let me give the dental example. Okay, so somebody says, what's your vertical? And they'll say, hey, I want to deal with dentists. Okay. That's great. There are 190,000 dentists in America. And within dentistry, there are a dozen specialties. There are lots of different types of dentists, lots of different types of practices. That's not enough. You can't just go dentist, boom, and, and consider that you have a tight enough vertical. It just doesn't, it just doesn't work. Well. So another way you can split off dentists is between corporate dentistry so that's going to be like your Aspen Dental and places like that. Or do you want kind of the independent dentist? So there's your next, there's your next delineation. Okay. Yeah. So start out with dentists. Well, I'm going to choose independent dentist because I think they'd be easier to get to. Absolutely. And so you go from dentist to now I want independent dentists. Okay. okay. Well, independent dentists, I mean. Is that like level two or one? That's level two. Okay. Okay. And we're going to go down at least, we're going to go down at least three levels, sometimes four. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're trying to get to where, where we can hit a group where their needs are really similar. Okay? Yes. If you go into dentists and then independent dentists, their needs are different than corporate, but they still have a lot of different. There's a wide variety of wide potential variety. pain points that they would respond to. Okay. So 
what I do is I go from dentist to corporate desks or dentist to independent desk, sorry. And then I might go for a specialty from there. Okay. So a specialty would be something like in this world, you have like endodontist, periodontist, you know, orthodontist, you have like the list goes on. Okay. And let's say I'm just going to go to general. So general dentist without any sort of dentist on the end of their name. Okay. okay. Now in this case, that's still really general. Yeah, that's pretty big. That's pretty big. Now, if I had chose chosen endodontist, that's pretty tight. Yeah. At that okay. point, they all have very similar situations. Yeah. And so you have to look at it. It's not, I always go a minimum of three. That's why I say a minimum of three. Yeah. Because if you get stuck in something like general dentist, you haven't gone far enough. But if you've gone to endodontist, then maybe you have gone far enough. You yeah. know, it, you, you kind of have to go through it. So a general dentist from there. So that means from there I need to go, okay, so I want a general dentist that specializes in TMJ, TMJD, temporomandibular joint disorder. Okay. Now, all this, now they all have the same kind of problems, same kind of concerns. Their marketing would be very similar. Yeah. The marketing would be similar. The, the services they offer, the training that they take on, um, after dental school, the training is pretty similar. They have a certain set of tools they can use to treat their patient that a lot of these other dentists won't even bother with. Um, you know, so they're in like this kind of tighter group. So, so you know, something interesting about that, Jeb, is um, whenever I'm talking to somebody like, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about getting into business or I've just started my business, I always go through like a quick checklist before I would say, hey, that's a good idea. <laughs> you should think again. And it's... Um, who are you going to target, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. How easy is it to get in front of, like, economical? Like, ease and economical is it to get in front of them? Do they have a problem? Do they know they have a problem? And have they demonstrated they're willing to spend money to solve the problem? If I don't get a positive response on those five questions, I don't move forward because yeah. I've just made it too hard for me. And really, a lot of those questions are nailed down by what you're doing here with drilling down. Yeah. Saying who, who is the actual customer I want to go after? Because once you get that tight, um, economically getting in front of them goes, but that's much more viable, right? It is because what happens is they tend to hang, they tend to hang with the same vendors. Yeah. Uh, they tend to hang with the same conferences and conventions. Um, you know, they, they have use groups on what we used to call use groups, but now they're just groups on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they, they have niched themselves into these little kind of micro chasms of, of people. And you can keep the messaging on point and the same as you're drifting from person to person. So that, and someone in like in your position, that does two things for you. One is um, it's easier to talk to your end customer. And two, the solution you give for one customer is probably going to be pretty close to the solution you give to another customer. So what we do is we build everybody, you know how you, you may have heard the term avatar before where you're building a customer avatar. And so like in this case, let's say we have a, my, my primary candidate customer avatar is, um, they're probably about 35 to 45 years old. Um, they are an independent dentist. They treat and focus on TMJD and, you know, they do say a million dollars or more a year. Okay. What we do is we actually create a end result avatar. We create a target avatar. That target avatar is where we want all of our clients to get to. 
So not only do we have a mind about where they're starting, but also where we want them to end up. And that's how far you can take them. That way you can set realistic expectations and all that jazz too. I know I can take most dental practices up to about 2.6 to $2.8 million. Yeah. I know I can take their hourly from $250 an hour up to about $700 an hour. So we create actually a results avatar and that is how we focus what we're doing with each, with each client. Yeah, I think that's really important. This kind of thinking, you know, thinking about, okay, who, where, do, where do we want to find our people and where do we want to move them to is really important because that informs everything about your marketing and your messaging too. Yes, it does. You're not going to make promises that you can't keep. Yeah. For me, a big thing is reputation, right? You've got to maintain your reputation in the marketplace. And a big part of your reputation is can you do what you say you can do? So if you make promises in your marketing and sales, a lot of people, oh, it's just disgusting. They get so comfortable with just saying whatever because they'll get somebody to do something that they'll make promises that aren't even a realm of what they can do. And when you make those kind of promises, now, okay, I, I show up, I give you the money, now make it happen. And when you can't deliver on them, the, like unless you're one of those people who has just got some sort of mental disorder where it doesn't bother you, you <laughs> It's going to eat you up inside, yeah. You know? And it's going to make you hate your business, and you're not going to enjoy it. And you're not going to feel good about it. And you can't charge what you should, and all that stuff. So it's really important in the offer creation, not only to know where who's that person that you're focusing on, so you can really understand their problems, and then you know that informs what you can tell them. But also, where can you take them? Yeah. And if you don't know where you can take them, you know that may be something you have to develop over time. Like I, I can't imagine. The first time you worked with the dentist, you knew, oh, I'm going to take him to this 2.6, 2.8 range. No, it, it wasn't right away. I, I knew that there were things I could do, campaigns I could do. Um, this is back in the paper days. I yeah. knew I could create paper product that would have certain results, but they'd be like one time, they'd be an actual campaign, a one-time deal, not necessarily a constant strategy. Yeah, um, And it was, it was a result of training. I don't think that you can actually talk seriously about goals or results unless you're niched down to the point where people get similar i I get well then there's too many variables right too many and so like even for example um one of the things that's actually i did i did actually go down one more bit from the tmjd um Mm -hmm. people that serviced a realistic population of 150,000 or less okay um so here's why is that that the needs of marketing in a smaller rural environment are different than in a larger city. Yes. And so in a larger city, you're competing in a, a different sort of mindset, different sort of levels. And yeah. it started throwing my math off. And I hate it when it throws my math off. So I just want to know, I think it's specialized in these people that they're in kind of these smaller areas. Well, I think that's really important to know your limits too, as, as a business owner, because if you don't, that's when you get into trouble. Yeah. And you think, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll just go bigger because smaller was working so well. <laughs> so you got to figure out what you can do. You know, I think to go back to that point of when you're creating that results avatar and you don't have a whole lot of results yet, then you yeah. better be really conservative and just state what you know you can do or what you're confident you can do. And then you can update that as you start getting more results. And then also the other point you brought up here that's real, that I really want to highlight is when you identify what your confines are, where you, you really do your best work, like stay inside those. Yeah. 
Because when you step out of them, I mean, if you're step out, it's got to be an experiment. You got to understand this experiment. You can't be saying, "Oh, we now do this." You know, it's. I think it's fine to run experiments every now and again just to test your limits. I I, I agree with that, and I think that I I think that as an example, I had a I had a dentist who was really wanting to hire me, who was from one of the boroughs of New York City. Yeah, um, and he had heard results that I'd gotten for some of his friends and things like that. And he said, "Hey, you know, I we I need you to work for me, et cetera, et cetera." And I went, "Well, I'll tell you, um, I'd have to charge you about triple, and I'm actually not sure it would work." <laughs> so, so if you're okay with that, and, we'll and, go forward. And if you're okay with that, we'll go forward. But what's interesting about that guy is he didn't hire me. Um, I mean, I wouldn't hire me either with that sort of response. Yeah. What's funny is he sent me about three clients. Well, and that's the important thing about um, integrity. Yeah. Is it, it, your reputation in the marketplace was enhanced by your ability to say no. No. It, it well, like I've had people, in fact, if you go to our Facebook page, you'll see a, one of the reviews from someone that I did a call with. Um, you know, and after talking to him, I'm like, what are you doing? You don't need infusion soft. You don't need fix your follow. You don't need anything. Yeah. You, you need to, what you need to do is get your business in order. And when you get your business in order, then come on back. But right now, you should cancel all this stuff because you're not in a position where you should be touching it. And he was so appreciative. I didn't ask him to go give me a review. <laughs> we went on Facebook and gave me a review just because I said that. And so when you can know your confines and your limits so you can express those and articulate them because you're like, yeah, I, that's outside of what I can do. So I'm going to have to charge you a bunch. I don't know if that's in your best interest. People think turning people away is bad, but turning people away in that scenario is, it's almost like gold. Well, and if you niche down far enough, there's plenty of business. Oh yeah. It's one of those things where, you know, I, I identified based on client work because I started noticing that my clients shared some traits and sometimes this happens kind of by accident. And like, you know, all of my clients are in kind of a little bit of a smaller area. You know, they're, they're told yeah. the total realistic draw area is about 150,000 or less, or usually closer to a hundred thousand actually. Um, and so maybe there's something to that, you know, maybe it's like, that's why it's effective. I mean, um, you know, I had a, I had a dental client that I doubled in about two years between everything wow. that I did. And it was in that sort of area, you know, and, and, um, I've got a friend of mine who works in a similar niche. And what he does is he actually goes into demographics. He goes a lot deeper into it because his system is so tight that it does have certain requirements in terms of what he does, but he's learned to niche into that to make sure he doesn't make any mistakes. It never pays to stretch, especially if you're trying to systematize. Yeah. You're really trying to get to the point where you're not having to reinvent the wheel every day. It's one of the reasons why we created our end customer avatar was because we wanted to have we wanted to build our programs that would that would in our opinion build that customer. And sometimes people are hitting us in different phases along the way. Sure. So have that same bank of tools that But that you know, also helps you to know like well, here's how far we're probably gonna be able to take you so that you yeah. can you know, I think setting expectations is really important in business as well. That's what helps your reputation. I've seen a lot of people who have their businesses are fine. They're just their ability to manage expectations is so terrible <laughs> that yeah. they have a bad reputation. Yeah. And if they simply knew how to manage expectations appropriately, say, here's what we can do. Here's what we can't do. Um, no, that's how things go. That's not a problem. 
If yeah. that's not something you want, that's okay. But that's actually how we designed it to work. And people sometimes are afraid to, to express themselves. But most issues I see in business come out of a lack of preparation. So they haven't prepared their offer. They haven't thought about some things that they really should think about or uh, a lack of communication. So they're not saying what they need to say when they need to say it. Or they try and say something that they can't back up. Yeah, I agree with that completely. It, it drives, in the dental space, you can imagine it's people love you know, having the dental as a vertical. They know that they have some money to spend. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of them are rather adventurous. They'll be willing to try new things and all sort of stuff. Um, you know, it's uh, actually a client's true story that, um, that went ahead and picked up a second location and decided with a second location, we're just going to do another company for a few months and give it a try. So it's one of those things where, I just went fine, you know, whatever. That sort of thing never worries me. Um, and, you know, I think when you're comfortable in what you're doing, you just kind of go, okay, you know what, they'll be back. I cracked a joke with him. I charged him 50% extra when he came back on board with me. as like a joke. Um, and so what happened is, is that I started a Facebook campaign, okay, mm-hmm. and Facebook lead out campaign that we've done in several practices and things like that. And we set up a budget that was fairly small. Um, they usually are because of the areas that we're in. So we set up a daily budget of about, uh, I think it was $17. Yeah. Um, he's hard pressed to spend more than that in an area that small. Yeah. And so we did that <laughs> and we average roughly $9 per lead ad click. Okay. Which is a little high to my, to my taste, but nonetheless, the, the booking rate was still solid. It was more than 50%. And so we looked at the end of the month, we'd spent about 450 bucks. Um, I think we'd had, I think he'd made about 20 appointments for dental implants. This other company they hired, he, he spent $3,800 as a monthly retainer and $3,000 in Facebook ad fees. Oh, geez. No appointments. (laughs) So what happens is that this company, these companies that just claim they can do everything and they haven't really taken the time to look at the area, look at the practice. They kind of do this sort of wide brush. I mean, he's not really an area that would ever support a hundred dollars a day in Facebook. advertising, And it's been a very expensive lesson for him, but it's one of those things that when I charge, I hope you charge him at least 125%. (laughs) Well, let's just say his multiple location discount doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> I don't like to gouge people because, you know. No, I, but, you know, it's uh, an important lesson for people to learn. It, it is. They, they really, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that sometimes it's coming from that position of authority and strength that you can just kind of say that stuff. Um, and I think it's, and it's kind of true. It's like, you know, I, I told him, I said, look, I really hope this, he's a good guy. He's one of my favorite right. And I'm like, I hope this works. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and wish for your demise. Um, but then I said, but when it doesn't, it's going to cost you extra, <laughs> you know. And so, um, and the thing it was is that is that that's how it worked out. But when when providers just they start just spewing this stuff that they they saw work or they went to a couple webinars and said, oh, I'm an expert mm-hmm. now on Instagram or whatever it is. You know, what's really sad for me, Jeb, is you know. Maybe it's just because of time, you know, and having been around and heard so many pitches and stuff in five, five minutes is generous, but within five minutes, you know, I can tell if somebody knows what they're doing or they're, they're done. And, and yeah. so, you know, it's sad when I see, um, 
you know, naive in that area, right? Business owners get taken by people because they don't know the questions to ask. You know, and that's why listening to, you know, this interview and the other interviews that I've done on this podcast are so important is because it kind of introduces you to some of these concepts that help you get out of being naive and into aware or woke, you know, so to speak of and those things that you've got to be paying attention to. That's funny. The, so part of what, part of what I do with coaching clients, I do some of that too, that aren't dentists or providers and things like people like us, I guess. Um, yeah is the first thing I ask them, and I and it goes back to the offer thing. I, I know by what they're telling me with their offer if they've really looked into this or not. Have yeah. they really done the research and done the work? So I'll ask them, what's your primary offering? And a lot of times, in fact, almost all the time, the answer I get is, well, you know, I provide Infusionsoft services with a fixture funnel kicker or something like that. And it's like... Okay, great. And so you're trying to sell your offer to a bunch of people that know what Infusionsoft and Fixture Funnel are. Yeah. So your marketer or other ICPs, right? And then they go, well, no, I'm looking for, you know, I, I deal with contractors. I'm like, okay, but your offer, how does a contractor know about Infusionsoft and Fixture Funnel? Yeah. Nothing. In fact, you could explain that whole thing to them and they'd, they'd be lost, gone, confused for a couple of days and move on to somebody else that didn't try to... <laughs> turn them into a technician or better yet do nothing at all. Yeah. And it's probably what is most likely what that would occur. It, and that's true. And so I can tell a lot about where somebody's business position is on their offer. You know, well, like, and that's interesting because you know, one of the questions I like to ask is I do this monthly um, class here in Tucson just to teach marketing. I like to keep sharp. I like, to, you know, I love marketing. So it's not like, it's, in fact, I make no money off it whatsoever, but I just love doing it. And um, it helps me to see where business owners are because sometimes I'm a little detached with, because I've built a team and I'm more of a business owner than, you know, self-employed person. Yeah. And so I'll ask them, you know, who's your market? Like, who, who do you sell to? And inevitably the most common answer is, well, everyone, mm -hmm. anybody yeah. wants to buy what I'm selling. I'm like, yeah. okay, we haven't thought at all about this question yet. We got some work to do. And then that, you know, kind of inform what goes on next it gets exhausting running your business that way you will run out of time a lot sooner than you're making enough money well you have no framework so you're basically stabbing in the dark yeah and that's why it's so important to have frameworks you know um in my book how to fix your funnel what i was trying to to give which was interesting because it doesn't have anything to do with texting so that's why i had to write the messaging connection <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and how to fix your funnel one thing that i just saw over and over again so i'm like okay the the community needs this even if this isn't exactly what's going to sell what i have because if people don't have a framework for identifying what should i be working on in my business then they're just stabbing in the dark and the problem with stabbing in the dark is if you if you keep stabbing in the dark eventually you run out of money because you put your money, your time, and your effort into things that don't produce any results. Yeah. And it, like, I can go find you 30 people that will sell you campaigns and uh, sell you, you know, the must-have stuff for your, your business and all this jazz. But there's no evaluation whatsoever about your business going on. No. So how in the world can they know what your business needs to grow when there's been zero analysis of your business? You have to be willing to do the work. You yeah. can't just you can't just spray and pray. It's really a without doing the work ahead of time, without really figuring out. That's why you have to find 
a niche that you really care about because you're going to be putting in effort and time talking to people, evaluating their needs. I mean, it's kind of a, I get, I get a little bit irritated that some of these gurus are like, you know, they kind of do what we started at the top of the podcast where we talked about, you know, like they just basically throw all their skills up, throw everything they can provide up on a wall and they like in post-it notes, like, Hey, let's build a compelling offer. Guess what? You have no idea if your target needs that offer or not. No and the process to get to that point where you actually can hone in your offer, if you do it that way, is so expensive and time-consuming. I mean, it's not uncommon for people to take months, years, tens, or even hundreds of thousands of dollars to figure out that their initial offer was crap. And so, and so yeah. it's kind of like, you know, that's why you need to do the work first. You can't just say, you can't just do this. I mean, I know people have worked really hard to develop their skill set, develop their, you know, what they have built and things like that. I mean, they put a lot of work into it. They want to, they want to steer people into it. And what they don't understand is the further away that offer is from what their target actually wants right now, the more expensive it gets to get them to buy. Yeah. It's just, it's a the it's, the gap, the more it's going to cost you to get to them across there. Right. Sorry. The, the wider the gap between where the customer is and their perception and your offer, yeah. the more expensive it's going to be to get them across that gap. Absolutely. So yeah. the, the tighter you can make that connection for them. That's the thing is, um, I, when I was younger, it always blew me away. What do you mean you can't connect the dots? i got to connect the dots for you. <laughs> but you have to connect all the dots. You can't assume anything that they're going to just, oh, well, that's self-evident. You've got to really... <laughs> connect the dots on what it is that they want and what it is that you have and how that's going to get that there to them. And the better it is, is to start where they are and build the bridge towards you versus building the bridge on your side towards them, which I hope that makes sense. Does that make sense to you, Jeb? It, it does. And I, I talked to so many, here's the thing. I talked to so many ICPs and, and people that are in this automation space and their knowledge points are incredible. Yeah, and we think about some of the things we can do, Ryan. It's incredible we can do them. I mean, oh yeah, it's a mystery to the mass population of how we can manage it. I mean, they're they're targets of this stuff all day long. They have no idea how it works, and you know what? We kind of do. We do know how that works. We can employ these programs. And stuff that we have talked about in these interviews alone, if people are paying attention, you know, is the stuff of magic. It, it really, it really is. And I, and I understand the obsession that we get where it's like, I can do this super cool thing and it'll, and it'll be great. And because you, and then you're talking to a target, to a, to a member of your vertical and they're like, huh? Like, so, dude, I want some more dude, all I want is some more money in the bank account so I can take off a couple days a week. All I want some more customers or I want some more knowledge to help me get customers or I want... Well, you know, and Jeb, they don't even want that, do they? No. They want what, the, what they have associated the customers will give them. Yep, absolutely. So if, if your dentist is saying, yeah, I want... If I get 20 more patients, it's because he's already done the math and connected the dots on that to what actually drives his behavior. Yeah. He's thinking, then I can finally get that Ferrari or <laughs> I, you know, then I finally I can take uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays off. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of them, in, in my niche in particular, they want to get down to three days a week of work. Yeah, that's their thing. And what that means is, is that we have to ramp up what they make per hour to do it. So just making the phone ring is not enough. So if I just hit them with a thing like I'm going to make your phone ring, the smart dentist will be like, "Well, who's calling?" Yeah. Like, 
<laughs> like I don't need a bunch of folks that are, you know, just on insurance and just not really don't really have the problems I can address. I mean, I have people that have like, you know, 10, 20, 30, $40,000 problems. So that's the, that's the question you got to answer before they even ask it, which means you really have to talk to your target market. Mm-hmm. You really have to find out, you know, I think some people are afraid to go, to go seek someone out that's in that target market and ask them questions. And then go find another one and see if they give you the same answers. And then find a third one and see if they give you the same answers. And if you start getting the same answers, then you know you're on to it. They're worried that they're going to tell them. I think, a lot of, I think a lot of us get worried that what they're going to tell us are things we don't necessarily, we didn't want to provide in the beginning. So if we've put any sort of effort or thought to something, we've said like, okay, we're going to do this widget and this campaign and this tool a, B, and C. And we talk to people, it's like, and there's always that little bit of nervousness, like, are they going to agree with me or not? Like, Well, you know, the secret to that is don't build so much out. You know, yeah. if you look at the history of Fix Your Funnel, it, it was not nearly what it is today when we started, because what we did was what we knew for sure the market needed. Yeah. And then we let the market tell us where to go. And so, you know, I didn't do everything that the market asked for because some of the things they asked for, I knew were bad ideas. <laughs> and, and that's something you need to be able to do as well is, you know, you, you got to know where the pitfalls are, not let somebody just say, well, I want to go eat candy all day. Well, yeah, I understand that. But you can't eat candy all day. It's going to rot, rot your brain, your teeth, your health. You know, you're going to know. One of the things I've always respected, if I can edify you a little bit, a little bit Ryan, is you've always, you've always talked about starting the conversation. Yeah. And I think that I think that part of that is the conversation before even the offer. Unless you happen to populate the niche you're targeting, um, that should just give you more context within that niche to talk to, frankly, because your experience may not be everybody's experience. Right. Um, but it's it's one of those things where you you really may not necessarily understand what they need. I'll, I'll give you an example of somebody that has done a lot of Facebook advertising saying that I can make the, I I got a dentist 70 appointments in three days, 70 new patients in three days. (laughs) And so I went ahead and just sheer curiosity, watched the webinar. And what these were, were reactivated patients into hygiene. They were basically patients that had been in the practice for a while and they got them, they got them into hygiene appointments. Well, that's not really what the hook said. You know, it's like, so they they post this stuff and then it's like, oh, we can do this, we can do that. And the thing about, the thing about these tighter niches are, is that they understand that it's baloney, um, but they also know they have a specific need. So for example, I would never in a million years go up to a dentist that's in my niche and say, hey, I can get. I can make your phone ring, get 70 hygiene appointments, you know, in the next, in the next 72 hours, I'd have no cut. I'd have no clients if I offered them that. Yeah. That's not what they're interested in. What they're interested in is building the TMJD side of their practice. So if I go up to them instead and say, Hey, I can add, I can, we'll work together to add another 16 TMJD patients to your practice each month. Now I have their now I have their attention. I haven't made a promise that I can't keep because I've also said we are going to do this. It's not just me. If you do crappy service and you won't do the work, you won't get the patients either. Yeah. 
So it's, that's again, that's setting expectations, setting boundaries on how everything's going to go. That's true for all businesses. Yeah. So when you said something, I want to kind of dig into a little bit more, which is conversations. Yeah. So what do you mean about conversations before the offer? So I love focus groups and they're informal focus groups. I don't hire a firm or anything like that because I need to feel the room. Yeah. But as an example, let's say that we were, um, that we were targeting a particular type of business or something like that. And I saw that there was a company offering something similar to what I was thinking about offering. Okay. I will full on, I will call that company and ask them what they think of that service. I will ask them if they're fitting their needs. What are they really looking for? Why are they willing to spend money on this? If, is that what you really want? You know, get a feel for what they're actually looking for. Yeah. Have a conversation where you're listening more than you're talking to these people. And you go into it with the intent to understand, not to sell. Absolutely. And, and I'll even tell them flat out, this is not a sales call. I have nothing to sell you. And it's just, uh, and what I found is that they're usually willing to talk because a lot of times, a lot of times it's just one of those things where they don't, they don't necessarily know what they've purchased anyway. You know, a lot of times they're just kind of like, you know, okay, I should do this. Like my favorite one is with Dennis in particular is every single provider I've come across that services Dennis, one of the first things they want to do is rebuild their website. <laughs> it's like the first thing oh your website stinks we need to rebuild it um i've been doing a little bit of web development since about 1995 i can find plenty of things wrong with every website i view but it's not a service that we offer so i'll even <laughs> i'll even say well, the funny part, the reason i'm laughing is i could run just about any business with with no website at all just i, I just Facebook page, which is sort of like a, you know, it's, it's almost like a free website. You know, that's all you really need. Just where are we located? What's our phone number? That's about it. I need a place to put some offers. You know, the state of the website has been super overrated for the most part for a lot of things, because if you're really doing marketing and sales, a lot of what you need to communicate, you can do a lot of the other ways. Yeah. Websites are super overrated in terms of, (laughs) what people spend on them. I mean, you're not, and see, from my perspective as a business owner, I'm always thinking about ROI, not cost, but ROI. Yeah. So if I'm going to spend some money, is it going to get a return? And that's the, that's the only evaluation I'm doing whenever I'm considering making a purchase. Other people will look at things just as expenses or whatever, but I always look at ROI. If if I'm going to spend the money on this tool, what is it going to do for my business? And it better be multiples of whatever I'm spending on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think if that's I'm going to redo the website, how confident am I that that thing's going to give me return on investment? Yeah, it's, it's really, you know, I think that the, the point about having these conversations with, with people within that tight niche that you've, that you've kind of decided on or thought about, you decided you care enough about those people to, to work on them, is to see also what they keep seeing. You know, one of the things I found out was that dentists are really tired of these $300 a month tools that are so singular in focus. Um, you know, they don't like it that these systems don't talk to each other. Yeah. And they, so they, so what ends up happening is they end up having, you know, two or $3,000 a month worth of software costs. Nothing is talking to the other thing. 
they have to look in multiple places to see what their analytics look like. You know, and that's understanding that's understanding your target. You know, a lot of a lot of those niches out there don't have that same problem. You know, um, it's it takes, how long did it take you to actually get that comfortable with your market where you felt like, okay, I really understand what their problems are? Actually, it was it happened twice, Ryan. It happened once when I was doing a print. I used to do print projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time I hit, we would do these 16 page magazines that, that we would publish and we distribute and we would get about 20 to one ROI. And I remember when we did the first one, it was kind of copying a little bit about something somebody else had done, but we turned it to something a little bit different because we thought the ROI could be better. And, and the person who developed the first thing obviously wasn't a designer and didn't consider their target at all. So we, we honed it in this. And the first time we did it, we had 20 to one ROI on this thing and it was fantastic. And then that, that little bit of doubt comes in and you go, what if I can't do this again? <laughs> you know, and then, and then it happened again and then it happened again. So we ended up with, after the second and third client that we did this for, all of a sudden it was like, we actually know what we're doing. We can do this sort of thing. It's not luck. And the same thing happened in terms of automation and, and digital marketing. The first client, you know, wow, how many of these things came together just the right moment? How lucky was this? You know, it's because the results were rather fantastic. They're not results I would ever promise or ever. I mean, I find that my clients are actually the ones that, that do this. I, I would never even mention it really. <laughs> um, but you know, when they're referring people to me, Oh, this guy, this guy tripled my business in six years or doubled three or, you know, I would never say that. I would just be like, well, you know, we put a lot together and, you know, we, we have, we're very confident in our program and it requires a lot of fair in your part because it really is a partnership in my case that the client has to do a lot. Um, so it was about the, it was somewhere between the second and third client that suddenly it just kind of the light bulbs went off and went, we actually know what we're doing here. Yeah. And once that little light bulb goes off, <laughs> wow. All of a sudden everything kind of comes into place. You don't necessarily worry about acquiring clients like you used to, like you used, like it used to be like between the, the first and the second client in the digital marketing space, it was like, well, you know, it worked over here in Prescott, Arizona. And now I'm going to talk to somebody in, Bakersfield, California, will this work or not? <laughs> you know, it, there's, there's that point of hesitation, even though I knew what we were offering was something that they needed, like the result was what they needed. The methodology was something that was still kind of in question because we really only done it one or two times. Yeah. But once you've done it a couple, two or three times, all of a sudden, I mean, honestly. Well, I, you really should give yourself a little bit of credit, too, because it's not just two or three for anybody. You obviously have honed some skills to pay attention to some things that mm-hmm. is demonstrated throughout this call. So I really appreciate you being on, Jeb. This was really phenomenal because I, f- I feel like we covered a lot of important points that are things I'm concerned about for you know our users for people that are small businesses trying to get started with marketing automation these are critical components and they're often set to the side because they're not shiny you know they're not fancy they're not tools they're actual concepts you've got to get and frankly nobody's teaching them it's not like you're in high school or college you ever heard any of these things you know what i mean 
there are some things that are almost like alchemy and they're only passed from one master to another, so to speak. And so yeah. you have to kind of be in these circles to hear some of these things and really get these concepts. So I really yeah. appreciate you sharing a little bit of your magic today. How do people, if they do want to get a hold of you, how, how would you recommend they get a hold of you? Well, the best thing to do really is just go ahead and text me. Um, mm-hmm. So you can text me at 928-433-2905. You know, just mention that you, that you heard this podcast or whatever. So I'll kind of know what it's about. Um, but there's that. And then there's also email, um, that my email is pretty easy to remember. It's beast at savagebeastmarketing.com. Hmm. Um, so it's kind of a, for those of you who haven't met me, I'm six foot eight. So I kind of fashion myself as a beast, I guess. Yeah. Um, so and so, the only person I feel intimidated around. <laughs> and so if I'm afraid think, you're going to smash me. I think I even reminded you, like when I'm there, you're not the biggest guy in the room. No. <laughs> so, um, but, but Jeb is a gentle giant, you know, so don't be intimidated at all. Well, and I think that just if we can just remember that so the reason why I start my conversations with potential coaching clients or potential clients I'm offering services to with what's your offer is everything about your business can be told through that offer. Yeah. I can tell from your offer, are you looking at a big mess of marketing expense and explanation to get this thing across? Or is it going to be like one of those smooth things? And if you have the right offer, you're really just removing speed bumps to having people give you money. It's okay. just That's the better your offer is, the fewer speed bumps you have from their wallet to yours. Well, it, for anyone that's listening, if you didn't get the formula for how to create the offer, go through and listen one more time. You know, it's kind of a lost art. There's so much content out there that people just listen to something once or they halfway listen to it and then they move on. But some things are worth a second, a third or fourth listen to. And I can tell you from my experience in business and creating businesses that are profitable, that this conversation is one you want to listen to multiple times because laced throughout it are key principles for creating a great offer. So thanks again, Jeb. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. I had a lot of fun talking to you as always. My pleasure.